What's up, boxing fans? Coach Jay here from the Empire Boxing Podcast. Love to shout out our partners at The Before Company, my favorite toothpaste right now. If you go online and make an order between now and December 31st, using the code EMPIRE in all caps, you will get a free tube of toothpaste sent with your order. So be sure to hit up that promotion and we will see you next time. An Empire Boxing and Unlearning Network production. Welcome back to another episode of the Empire Boxing Podcast. And we are here with Elroy from Mendoza Boxing Club, who just took the stage by storm at the takeover this just past uh, November. And welcome. Glad to be here. Excellent. And we, we have so much to talk about today because I want to talk about you and find out more about you, which is cool for me because I don't really know much about you. So I get to kind of decide, you know, where I want to start. But I think we're going to start with the origin story of you and, and how you fell into boxing. Go through a little bit of your coaching and your camp, your experience in Mendoza. And then I do want to talk about the fight with you because I think there's so much there. Uh, that was that was, I think, my favorite fight of of the night. Thank, Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. So. Talk to us. How did you come into boxing or did boxing find you? Um, boxing found me in a way, but my friend actually got me into it. Uh, he just told me, oh, I want to start boxing. And I was like, all right, I'll join you. Cool. Yeah. I always liked uh, combat sports as a kid, though. Watching Pacquiao grow, growing up, you know, like it's dope watching the pay-per-views and HBO. But wasn't really a thing then. It was just more like a family thing. Right. And like how the, old were you when that happened? Oh, I was just like in my high schools, right? Like high school years, but I didn't get into boxing till I was like nineteen. So, but when I started, I wasn't at Mendoza at first. I was in the mm-hmm. gym in Richmond. Okay. Yeah. So, and I just trained for a couple of years till my first amateur fight. Then I realized, oh, I want to keep going. Excellent. So, you did you did you know right away when you when you let's say your first week. You know, you do your first few boxing workouts, you know, your first few classes, you kind of get the sense of the technique. Did you know right away that this was going to be like future Elroy is going to be stepping between the ropes as a professional boxer? Like, did it click for you or did it take time to build? It definitely took time. But after a week or so, like I wanted to keep going, like I want to see how far I can get with this. Yeah. Because I used to play tennis uh, back in high school, but like I, I gave up because my hands are too sweaty. But <laughs> Yeah, it is. Okay. It, it actually played a factor for sure. It's hard to play sports with like without gloves, but like when I did boxing, as weird as it seemed, like whoa, my sweaty hands won't <laughs> th- don't affect me. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> so the other you guy wrap feels your the same. hands for different reasons. <laughs> exactly. So amazing. Yeah, I guess you'd like you know get a mean forehand and the racket would go flying or something. Yeah, I'd, I'd always lose grip no matter what, especially when you're going in for a volley or something. Yeah, it just breaks on you. It's like ah. So oh frustrating. God, so funny. Now, did you ever, did you notice any correlations between some of the footwork and like lateral movement that is in tennis when you came into learning the footwork of boxing? Oh yeah. Like, there's a lot of like basic footwork in tennis. Let's just like a, almost like crab walking in a way. And like the way they, they turn their bodies, the way they torque the bodies. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to boxing, just more wide though in tennis, but mm-hmm. in boxing is much sharper. Yeah. It's interesting because I've heard the analogy a few times when, you know, when teaching new people boxing that, you know, the arm should be nice and loose. And it's sort of like the extension of what the body is, the power, the force generated in the body can do. So the arm very much represents the racket in tennis, right? Which is that, that loose follow through, right? That whip action. So that's pretty cool. I never really thought about the correlations of, of those two sports, but I think there probably is quite a few parallels. Definitely. I mean, they're both impact sports in a way. You're always striking something. Yeah. Yeah. And you're always moving. Yes. Now, when you did your first amateur fight, how was that experience for you? It was definitely nerve wracking. Like getting in there, 
there were people at the time too, so there was quite a bit. So I was very nervous, but like first minute in, the moment it started, I just lost track. Like I'm yeah. in the fight. Like this is all I can focus on right now. And that felt great. Yeah. Yeah. Now this, okay. So I have to, I have to say, um, you know, I met you at the weigh-ins. We had a little chat, you know, my dad, I remember my dad saying after he's like, oh, that Elroy's the nicest guy. And you just have this sweet, unassuming, like lovely, you know, personality, which, and then all of a sudden you're coming out and you're walk out and you turn into this like ferocious warrior. And it was just, I know I was like, I was like, is that the same guy? Like, who's that guy? And the way you fought, you fought like a lion. It was incredible to see that. Now, where's that switch for you? And when did you first discover you had it? Um, honestly, as a kid too, like I, I, I don't know if I should say this, but like, uh, I kind of beating the shit out of kids in the playground. Or no, what? not like that. But like, <laughs> I definitely have like some sort of anger management problem, but like I do my absolute best to keep it you a bit. Yes. Have an anger management problem. I do. Shocking. I, I do. Shocking. Boxing is a way to get it all, of, all out of my system. So just going into the fight, letting it all out, I was just so happy. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, I, I think, you know, boxing does serve that purpose for a lot of people you know you know you hear stories all the time you know kids growing up even in rough neighborhoods and having really no outlet and boxing becomes an outlet for them to deal with the violence or the uncertainties around them and then they can bring that and and channel it and harness it and discipline it yeah and so that sort of sounds like what your kind of journey with boxing was at times as well yes amazing so yeah and i was i was like holy shit this is gonna be amazing like you you blew me out of the water and that fight was so it was and it was funny because you have this let's call it that aggression that kind of lion energy that you brought in but you fought so technical and you just fought absolutely beautifully like it wasn't a brawl and i mean i think that was you and kadir kind of complimenting each other quite a bit too with different styles and so i have to commend that that fight was just a brilliant brilliant fight for both of you yeah well i mean my fight style for sure. Like I do my best to slug it out, but in my mind, I have to keep everything technical. Cause if I don't, I'm going to get tired. I'm going to get sloppy and mm -hmm. it's just going to look bad in general. Mm -hmm. And that way, if I keep it all technical, I make less mistakes. Excellent. Yeah. That's such a, that's some key, key pieces right there. And I find that's consistent, you know, and I actually had a conversation with someone today about that in BJJ as well. If when you can slow down and keep it technical, you can see more, uh, it's more efficient and you'll be far more accurate with your your offensive aggressions, you know, like far more accurate, far more precise. You can string things together better. And yeah, you you harnessed all of that and it was a beautiful performance. Now, I know you fought Kadir in the amateurs. Yes, we fought at Griffins. Okay. And two times? Just once. Just once. Now, what was the experience like? So did you factor into that when you were preparing for this fight with him in the takeover? Um, Not really, because I, I knew he was going to be a different fighter. Like... Mm. Maybe a little bit regarding his elusiveness, his uh, footwork, and how he likes to keep the distance. But I knew he was going to be a different puncher. And and the fact that there's no headgear, it's just going to be different. I'll, I'll be able to move my head more because mm -hmm. I find, I don't know if it's the same for other people, but for me, I feel like I get hit more with headgear on because mm. I'm just a bigger target. Interesting. Yeah. And do you find like just because the stakes are a little bit higher, you're keeping your defensive acuity even a little bit, you know, turned up just a bit more? Definitely. I feel like there's more at stake, more danger. So like my senses, my danger awareness is more. Right. It's up there. Right. Now, how much sparring do you do with like, I'm assuming quite a bit with, um, you know, Michael and Terrence? Oh, um, it's funny. I didn't keep track, but my coach did. Apparently I did uh, 105 rounds uh, preparing for this fight starting October 3rd. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. I just 
time just went by. Just all putting the, the head down, exactly. showing up, putting in the work. Just keeping focus. Mendoza is, you know, building champions over there. You guys are all, and, and you guys have a you know, slightly, you know, there's differences, but it's, it's a similar sort of come forward, come forward, come forward approach. Yeah. And I noticed that in yours as well, from what I've seen from, you know, both Michael and Terrence. So, I mean, you guys are, you guys are incredible resources for each other, for your training over there. Oh, definitely. Now, were you, um, were you always an athletic guy as well? Or did you, do you focus a little bit more on your SNC? Do you focus more on your boxing? Like, how does a camp look for you? Um, I do my own strength and conditioning, like at home. Like, that's what I like to focus on. Like, it's a little old school. I just stick to shadow boxing and just stick to skipping rope. Mm -hmm. And this weird, uh, device called a power twister. I don't know if you talk to us about the power twister. Uh, Jason, we're going to pull up a, a clip of the power twister yeah, it's for this just, segment. It's just a tension bar. Really. Cause it's a nice thick spring with like a, with handles on it and you just squeeze it. Oh yeah. Oh, that's like some, Oh man. I just got like, it's like a bend the pipe kind of deal. Exactly. Oh man. That's some Schwarzenegger stuff right there. Kind of. Yeah. That they, I'm pretty sure he's used it back in the day, but the way I use it, I incorporate boxing footwork and like very dynamic, like almost aerobic stuff to it nice. as I squeeze. So it like works my whole body as wow. well. And that's just what I do. Fonda and Schwarzenegger together at last. <laughs> what could go wrong? Amazing. That's very cool. So you discipline yourself to show up to do your technical stuff in Mendoza. And then you come home and you kind of run yourself and discipline yourself through that programming as well. Exactly. And you do your whole camp like that. Yes. Amazing. So how self-motivated of a person are you? Um... Sometimes I'm lazy, but ever since like I knew the the pro fight was happening, I'm like, oh, I'm a different person now. So wow. like, yeah, ever since becoming pro, like I've been taking it up a notch and I've just been focusing more and more. Amazing. Now, what is, you know, daydream with me for a second. What does I made it in boxing look like for you? To me, uh, I made it means I get a chance for to fight for a world title. Whether or not I get it to fight for a world title is is the dream. Amazing. And uh, if, like, if you could, if you could kind of go further into that dream, where would that world title be? Would you, would be you be in Canada? Would you be in the States? Where would you be? Realistically speaking, I'd like it to be, I don't know, not in the States, but it's probably going to be in Las Vegas or something. Yeah. Yeah. Roll up in a Bugatti and then just warrior cry and do your, your walk. Yeah. Amazing. Very cool. Um, now, Lev Jackson, you've also fought him in the amateurs as well. Yeah, we fought twice. Okay, so you fought Lev Jackson twice. And any interest in facing him in the pros now? Um, if he wants to go up to 140, yeah, definitely. But I I'm kind of want to stay at 140. Yeah, that's where you feel the best? Yeah. Have you gone up and down uh, in the amateurs and felt the difference between? Definitely. I actually fought all of my amateurs at 135. Mm -hmm. And maybe I think I've won fight maybe at 130 or like like a in-between weight or something like that. But... 135 that was my weight I just I felt kind of weak I felt fast though mm -hmm. but I just didn't feel like I had the oomph like yeah. I do now yeah and um yeah it is it is interesting right like you, you drop that weight you're you're light as a feather your endurance goes up but you don't really have that extra pop that you need exactly and in the, in the pros arguably you need that pop more than ever because it's not a game of touch 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 I touched you more than you touched me like it is yeah. in the amateurs and you have to have the endurance to go in out in out round over round and the pros you want to land significant shots right right and those want to hurt shots. exactly so and you you popped I think you popped Kadir's nose in the second round didn't you first round first round yeah I feel like somewhere 30 seconds in I, I don't know like I was watching some clips of myself but like it was pretty early in the fight I just rushed him and I just landed something nice and then I see him buckle down a little mm -hmm. bit 
and I just went for it. Yeah, he because he was sporting uh, he was sporting that nose for the the remainder of the fight. Actually, I think uh, that messed up Dan's you know carefully mopped canvas pretty nicely. <laughs> so okay, great. So you. You got into boxing early. You're finding yourself in the pros. What is your experience like with your balancing like your professional work and now this this pro life that you're going to you're kicking it up a notch. So it takes up far more discipline and commitment. How are you going to, you know, balance the life structures? Well, that's why I chose a uh, physical work as well. That way I don't have to train too much by myself like with strength and conditioning wise. Mm. That keeps me in shape. So I do my 8 to 4 and I go to Mendoza mm-hmm. or sometimes I don't because I can't always make the commitment to go every time, but I do make the commitment to spar like yeah. on the weekends. But yeah, working gets me in shape. And then if I have any time at all at home, I just work out. I do my own conditioning. Right. If I can't make it to the gym, I mean. Yeah. Now, are you a boxing fan as well? Do you spend much of your time watching watching boxing and, and studying it in that way? Yes, I do. Who's some of your favorite people to watch? Oh, Salvador Sanchez. He's my favorite fighter. Okay, cool. Jason's nodding. He approves. <laughs> I can't help you. You're right there. I can see your head going. Yeah. Okay, and anyone else on the list of people you like to study? Pacquiao, definitely, but not super technical-wise. He's more of like a... He just bull rushes you, mm-hmm. like especially him in his lighter weight class days, 135. He just... He's like a tornado. But people like Salvador Sanchez was like, so technical like people call him mexican mayweather but like he's just he's salvador sanchez that's all he is like he's, yeah he's amazing but yeah too bad he died young it's it's a shame yeah yeah may he rest in peace um now i've talked to a lot of boxers you know on the show and it's it's really cool to kind of hear everyone's stories of how boxing came into their life. And for some people, their families are like, no, 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 not for you. You're going to be an engineer or like, no, not for you. You're going to get punched in the face or they're like, their dad's a dentist or something. And they're like, hell no, whatever. So what was your experience like, you know, with your family and you saying you wanted to get into boxing? Oh, this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My mom was definitely against it at first. What's your mom's name? Her name is Medina. Shout out Medina. Look at him now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, like she just obviously like, Mother always wants to take care of her kids. They don't want to see them all bloodied up. You know? For sure. I think it's like instinctual. They can't help themselves. Yeah. Actually, it'd be kind of concerning if your mom was like, that's dope. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> right? Almost like you, you expect that argument with your mom. Yeah. But yeah, she was definitely against it. Maybe still against it at first. That's why I didn't really tell them to come to my fight. Stop. Really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell them. So they were like, what are you doing on the weekend? You guys coming for dinner? And well, you're like, them. I'm busy? <laughs> no, I, I did tell them, but I just didn't tell them where and when. So they they just have to, so they know. So but, it was a scavenger hunt. Yeah, exactly. So did they end up finding it? No, they didn't. Oh, okay, so. okay. I, we didn't have any issues with security, so I'm guessing they didn't make it. That's good. Wow, okay. So let's unpack this a little bit more. So did you did you have the same approach when you were like first training boxing? Were you sneaking away to the boxing gym? How did that? Well, they were fine with me training and stuff. Mm. But like the moment I said I wanted to fight, they're like, oh, Okay, they were just, you know, they approved of it just because they want me to try it and stuff. But mm-hmm. like deep down, they're like, it's dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous. And no, it is. No, no. And it is. Yeah. And so did they come and attend some of those amateur fights as well? Definitely. And Back what? in comm sport, they did. Really? Yeah. And then what was their reaction once they saw you perform? My dad kept quiet, but my mom's always screaming. Yeah. Yeah. And even after the fight, she's like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> like, are you okay? Anak. And then she wants to feed you. 
exactly. Um, speaking of screaming, um, your your lovely wife is here. She's sitting off off screen right now. And we were just joking in the pre-show that she was the loudest person in the room when you were in the ring. Oh, I can hear her loud and clear. <laughs> can you hear her more than you can hear your corner? Definitely. Like that's the only voice I hear at the time. Like, oh, this is honestly, this is my first husband wife thing. So we have to play this for a second. It's very romantic. <laughs> it is. It's a bit rocky and I love it. Okay. So we're, yeah, yeah she's over there fanning herself. You're, you're so cute. Yo, Adrian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Adrian. It's so cute. How did you guys meet? Oh, actually. Um, Don't get it wrong. She's listening. <laughs> I met her at my, um, my friend gave birth to her kid and I, I met her in the hospital, actually. That's really? How this gets cuter. Okay. Okay. And then? Come on, Elroy. Don't hold that on me. Oh, I'm just a little, I'm just a little nervous about this. But, Don't be nervous. Oh, um, well, after that, like, I thought she was cute. Like, really cute. So. Yeah, she's pretty cute, yeah. for the record. Thank you. Shout out, Angelica. But, oh, now you're going to be nervous. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it was really just my friends who told me about her at first. Like, oh. Like she's single, like she might be into Shoot you. Your like, shot, right? Yeah, exactly. Do it. Like we don't know. You'll never know. Like yeah. me single at the time, I was like, okay, I'll try. Yeah. Yeah. But And the rest is history. Not exactly at first. Uh, like Roll it. Like like at some point she was she was actually into me, but here's me just like being oblivious to everything. Cute. Yes. Yeah. And at some point she she was the one who like, let's go out. Shit or get off the pot. Yeah, exactly. Like at a girl. Yeah. And then here we are, married. Oh, how long have you guys been married? Uh, we've been married for over three years now. Nice. Nice. And, and Angelica, um, you can nod. Or did you know what you're getting into with this fight life? She did. And you're into it. You were like, let's go. How, how pivotal is she as part of like your support system when you're in camp? Actually, she plays a huge factor. She's actually a very good boxer herself. Yeah, she's very into martial arts. Even before boxing, she knew Taekwondo. So she was she just knows martial arts in general. Then I taught her a thing or two and got her yeah, used you to did. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And um yeah, sometimes even before Mendoza actually I was on a layoff because of COVID and all that. So I actually trained her a bit and I just got her to punch me for practice. Amazing. Like rounds of her just pure offense, me defense, just working, just drilling away. Just Old school. Wicked. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so helpful. Honestly, just it's, it's exhausting putting yourself on the, on the back foot and being on like just full defense for, exactly. you know, three minutes, but it is an incredible tool for training. And that's so amazing. That you guys can do that in your home and she can help prepare you. Now, what other aspects does she, is she involved in, in your camp as well? Does she help with like your food or anything like that? Well, she does all the cooking. So she's the real hero here. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then she's the loudest one in the room. This is great. This is like, what everyone really should be. You guys are goals, really. No. Thank you. Cute. Okay. Well, we'll love it. Uh, I'll, she's over there blushing, so I'll leave her alone. Um, now, I wanted to I wanted to kind of talk a little bit more about the fight with you and Kadir and kind of get you to talk about the fight through your eyes. Uh, were you happy with the decision is one part of the question. And then to just kind of walk us through, walk us, obviously you weren't happy with the decision, you know, but... How did that impact you? And, and looking back through that fight through your eyes, walk us through that. I don't disagree with the decision in the end. The judges have to make a call. It's, it's all part of the game. Um, I did uh, definitely, I kind of put the brakes on myself for sure. Hmm. So maybe that's what 
the judges thought, oh, he's he's gassed out, he's tired, oh, like it's not effective anymore. But for me, I took the the breaks off just just to see where I'm at. Like it was my first fight. I just want to see what I can do as well instead of just doing one thing, which is just rushing him because mm-hmm. I already did that in like the first round, maybe part of the second round. So I took a, more of a break, and then mid second round and the third round, you know, just hit, I let him work a bit more. Like then he's becoming more successful, and then. At the at the end of the third round, my my corner talked to me. I was like, "Oh, do you want this?" Like, mm-hmm. "Yes, I do. I do. I do want this." It's mm-hmm. like, "Then then then prove it. Just just do it." And then I was like, "Oh yeah." So in my mind, I was like, "Oh, am I like giving him away too much, or like mm-hmm. am I giving away the fight?" In my eyes, like I thought I was just taking a breather. I wasn't, you know, I was still landing shots. In my opinion, like mm-hmm. I was still landing, landing my jabs. I was keeping the pressure up, but maybe not the same kind of aggression I was in the first round. Maybe that's what the judges saw. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's very interesting. Now the post fight was, it was heartwarming. It was the absolute epitome of sportsmanship. It was, I was moving for everybody in the room. What did Kidir say to you? Oh, he just said like, like I was a great fighter. Like, Props to him too. He's a great fighter. Mm-hmm. He 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 told me at the end of the fight, like I broke his nose. I thought he was kidding at first, just just being nice and stuff. But apparently, he really did break his nose. Really, so. fact checkers? He broke it. Oh, we have no idea. Jason's my fact checker as well. But that that's what he told me anyway. Wow. But uh, but when thinking about that, I was like, oh, he fought for four rounds with a broken nose. Like, what a tough guy. Respect. Yeah, that's respect. So that that he earned my respect for sure. And post fight, yeah, like. It is what it is. I can't deny the decision. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever they said, it's done. Mm-hmm. So the, the best I could do was just be humble and be respectful about it. Uh, uh, like ultimately, it was just so amazing as a, de- a display of sportsmanship. And you guys were just both ambassadors to the sport. And we as promoters were very proud and honored to have that caliber of athleticism, that caliber of fight, you guys were matched up so well. Like it was, it was such a brilliant fight. And, you know, to have you guys level up like that, even as a, on that sportsmanship level at the end of the fight was just incredible. So, you know, we were just like, I don't myself, I, I was floored. I thought you guys were just, were just humble and, and respectful of each other. And, and both of you guys were just absolute warriors. Yeah. Now what's next for you? Are you hungry to get back in there? Definitely. The moment my mandatory suspension is up, I'd like to just fight right away wherever somewhere in Canada where the, wherever there's a card yeah so you're just hungry ready to say yes yeah that's what we like excellent now okay a couple I have some kind of fun questions I want to ask you um, and hopefully this will take away the nerves that I gave you when talking about your girl <laughs> so cute um, okay so fantasy matchmaker so if you get to be matchmaker you are golden boy promotions you are matchroom boxing uh, and you're going to match yourself against a fighter from the past who would it be Ooh. who would you like to fight I'd like to fight Pretty Boy Floyd. Ah, yeah, okay. In my opinion, he was Pretty Boy Floyd, not Money May, no hate, whatever, but Pretty Boy Floyd was just a specimen, like sharp, power puncher, like genius uh, defensive-wise, just makes you miss every punch and blocks every punch and he counters you right away. Like He was the best, in my opinion. Wow, and how would you approach him from your side offensively? A guy like that who has minimal holes, you just have to, to me, I just have to feign him a lot and just bull rush him mm. until he gets tired or something or make a mistake, then go at it again, take one to land three or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah. someone that good, it's, I don't know. 
I'm I'm gonna be I'm expecting to go down a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. He picks himself a hard fight and we like it. Okay, so now you get to match yourself against someone from the the present, someone in current rankings. Who is it? Ooh. I'd like to fight Tank Davis. Nice, my boy. Love Tank. We're similar in height. He definitely has power, lots of power. Mm-hmm. So danger wise, it'll make me sharper because every hit could knock me out. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, now, what's your thoughts on him and the Ryan Garcia fight? Oh, I think Tank got this one for sure, but R- Garcia's got speed. Like, he's very quick. He, he's thrown some punches that people just don't see coming. That's going to play a factor for sure, but I think Tank can take it. See, and it's interesting because both of them utilize that lead hook a lot. Like, Ryan digs to the body, and um, Tank does as well, but he also comes forward with it quite a bit. And he'll often put it to the head over the body. Yeah. So both of them kind of have a similar tactic, um, you know, and then, you know, Ryan is a little bit more, I think a little bit more rangy. Tank's a little bit more on the inside. He tries to work and move forward. So I think that'll be an interesting fight. Who do you think goes down? I think Ryan. Luke Campbell got him down with a nice uh, left. Luke Campbell isn't a huge power puncher, but he's got some pop too. Tank's got some real, mm-hmm. real power. Mm-hmm. So I think if he puts him down, maybe a couple combinations, he could put him out. Cool. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I'm, I'm definitely in, in uh, Tank Davis's corner on that one as well. Now, there's been a recent announcement. He's fighting someone else, I think, that was just announced. Am I right? I'm having a mind melt because it's Pepsi over Coke and this shit's going to rot my brain. So who, who did they just announce that? Right? Yeah. Is that... Yeah, something like that. Do you Hector Luis Garcia? That's exactly who it is. Uh, any any predictions on that fight? I actually don't know that fighter. I mm. haven't been totally in the loop of modern boxing. Okay. I uh, so who who's he fighting? Sorry, Hector Luis Garcia. In tanks fighting him. Mm-hmm. And that's coming up in December, January, January. Mm-hmm. Well, Tank is undefeated right now, right? Tank's going to, so, like, I think he's probably going to mow through him. Yeah. But right, it's the Tank uh, Tank Garcia fight that we really all really want to see. That's, that's the one, I think. Yeah, I want to see that one. I actually want to see uh, Garcia Haney as well, but mm, we'll see. We'll see in the future. That was my next question. Oh. Yeah, that was my next question. I was like, okay, well, if, if what do you think about that Haney fight? If, if Davis gets to face Haney, who do you think's got that? Stylistically? Haney has uh, got the height and reach advantage for sure. And he looked good against Cambozas in that rematch. Mm-hmm. If it goes the distance, I can see it going to Haney because just style-wise, he can win off points. But if it, I can see Tank going for the knockout as well. Haney's just different. He's just, he's just got that IQ that is just, yeah. I mean, that was a big Cambozas fan. He can box away for he sure. He can box. Like, he makes really, you know, you're so good when you make really good people look average. Yes. You know, and I, I noticed that in the Cambosis fight. Like, I, I'm a fan of Georgie. I wanted the best for Georgie. I'm like, hey. He's a great boxer. Yeah, shoot your shot, Georgie. He is a great boxer. Great He's boxer. He's fucking fast, too. He's so fast. And Haney made him look. Yeah, just like another. Average. Yep. Like average in the top 10% of the world or, you know, whatever. But still average. And I find, I find Fury does that to the heavyweights. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Fury, we've got chat about Ruiz and Fury, and we've got chat about there's another. Oh, Usek. Reason Wilder, excuse me. So it's and it's Usek and Fury. Uh, what do you think about that heavyweight matchup? I know there's a mandatory that they're trying to dodge to make Usek. And you know, we all knew Fury was going to come back. 
Like, you know, he's not retired, like for the right paycheck. Any of these boys are like, all right, cool. You know, so what do do you, are you an Usak fan? Definitely. He's he's a really good boxer, like clean, technical. I could see him versus Fury being like a technical boxing match, almost like a chess match. I think it'd be beautiful. Yeah. But the Rui Wilder fight, that could be a firefight because knowing Rui's style, he just, yeah. Okay. I mean, he did drop Anthony Joshua. He did. Yeah. So, and it's funny because when I, when I see Andy Rui's punch, I'm just like, I don't know how that big man can move that fast. Yeah. And, you know, you watch these guys holding these punch shields and they literally, like, you watch their life flashing before their eyes. They're like, wow, I really hope he doesn't miss this punch shield because it'll be the last punch I ever held for. Yeah. Uh, now, Wilder, I have a hard time enjoying Wilder. Talk to me. What, what's your thoughts on Wilder? Technically wise, he doesn't seem to be so sound, but like he's got that touch of death. Like It's so true. It's, and it bothers me. It's almost <laughs> annoying. Yeah. Like, it just... <laughs> He's, he could be. He could be so much better. I'm not trying to hate or anything, but like no, he just—it's true. Uh, he, it's true. He has this. What he makes up for, like, like with a lack of skill, he just makes up for it with the sheer power. It's crazy. Like it. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, the day Wilder comes into our DMs and is like, "Stop talking shit about me on your podcast," will be the day I'm like, "All right, okay." But for now, I mean, like, you know, first off, place respect where respect is due. He has the touch of death is actually it's, a great way of putting it. Yeah. But I would wa- rather watch paint dry than watch that man box. Like I'm just like Fury, Fury just outclassed him when he when he decided to box and he. He just couldn't compete in the boxing match. That's why he got knocked out in that third fight too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean at that and at that weight class too, like you're going down at least once. Yeah, in in that fight like that, those boys can punch. They can punch, you know, and um, and there's a lot of weight behind those punches. So someone's going down at least once. Yeah, or both y'all are going down at least once, you know. But uh, and and it just proves Fury's fucking tough too. He's got a chin. He just pops right back up. Yeah, that. But when when Wilder gets hit though, all of a sudden it looks like he's a drunken sailor. Like he's yeah. he's wobbled. No, I I noticed that with him. He doesn't seem to have quite the the ability to take damage. Yeah, it's probably because he's not so technically sound that he doesn't know how to maintain his own balance when he's hurt. Mm. Maybe that's a lack of training in in a sense. So he just really believes in his power. Interesting. You know. So in your opinion, what is a way that a fighter can train? the integrity in their, in their technicality to be, to be able to absorb damage and move forward through that damage. How does someone train that? Well, uh, it's going to be a lot of sparring for sure, but like there are little things that you can do. Like a drill I learned was um, you actually spin around one way, 10 times, spin around the other way, 10 times, like as fast as you can, and then just start shadow boxing. Mm. And that feeling is the feeling you feel when you get concussed, like with a big shot, that's yeah. exactly what you feel. And the moment you could find your balance through that, then you'll know. Yeah. Then you can fight through the pain. You can fight through the damage. Yeah. That's some kind of like some old school kind of stuff, isn't it? That yeah. spinning around and then trying to shadow box or trying to run a straight line. I know in jujitsu, there's, you know, forward rolls and then you kind of try to run in a straight line or stand still for a second. It's really hard, yeah. but you do, you get an acuity for it. You get better at it. Yeah. And eventually that the kind of like the duration of time that your brain's spinning shortens out and you notice the difference. Yes. yes so do you, you incorporate do. stuff like that into your training as well? Yes. That's more of my home stuff. I don't really do it at the gym. It's kind of weird to look right, at, but yeah, but right. I do do that. Angelica puts you on a rolly chair with a blindfold on and it spins you around <laughs> and then takes off the blindfold. Yeah, spins them around, then makes them stand up and cook dinner or something. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Awesome. And what other kind of like tricks have you learned for things like that at home to kind of help you absorb damage, move forward with good, you know, good base? Like, have you? is there anything else that you incorporate? Other than that, I just really 
keep focused when it um, comes to sparring. Like when I, when I spar, I do my best to think of every situation. Like mm. when I get hit, why did I get hit? Like as it's happening and like, what can I do to minimize the damage more? Especially when I'm concussed, because it happens in sparring too. There's a guy I spar Mendoza named Philip. He hits hard and he throws a bunch too. But like when he can, when he rocks me for sure, I just do my best to keep that poker face, make sure he knows I'm still in the fight, mm-hmm. even though I'm, I'm kind of dazed. Right. But it's just those little things that make them stop and like give you another second to recover rather than just rushing you because they think you're hurt or something. Mm-hmm. Now, this might be kind of an obvious question, but I kind of want your thoughts on it. How important is a poker face in boxing? Super important. The moment you show you're hurt to someone, most people will just pounce on you. Mm-hmm. And if you just keep this nice, steady face throughout the whole fight, they, you don't, they don't really know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even if you hurt them, like, oh, did I really hurt them? I was like, nope, just poker face. Oh, I'm hurt. I'm really yeah. hurt, but my face doesn't say it. And that can manipulate someone psychologically too. Yeah. You it's, know, like it's a mind it, game, right? Like I've fought a couple of these, I call them zombie people where you're like, man, I'm hitting this person. And they ain't stopping. Yeah. And I'm like, what am I, what is it going to take to get this girl out of my face? And that can be super psychologically manipulating. That's and one you of start the most to panic, things, yeah. And then you start making mistakes. Very interesting. Now, um, so here's, here's a question for you. Oh, changing the subject. Are mom and dad coming to the next fight? Are you going to give them the correct address, time, and date? Or I'm do think, I have to do it? I'm thinking about I probably <laughs> will this time because... Once they see the pictures, they're going to be like, oh, now I want to see the fight for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Have you got your, we, we're going to send a little album out to every fighter. Have you got your photos yet? Yes, I did. They look lovely. How, Janet Hoffer and, yeah. and uh, Mark, so good. Uh, how, how proud of yourself do you feel looking at that and then like reliving that moment? I was like, wow, I looked that cool, huh? Yeah. Like, like wow. I didn't think I looked that cool, but like, that's awesome. Hell yeah. Thanks, Janet. Those are some good picks. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it was, um, it was, it's interesting to kind of, it brings you back to that moment. And, and I, I often wonder, you know, cause I think fighters can be in two mindsets. There's either people that are super hard on themselves, always looking for, you know, something to kind of critique on or what could be better. Yeah. Which time. is super valuable, right? Like there's an element of like, Hey, if you're not the first person to, to sort of critique yourself and want to improve, then, you know it's not going to matter as much the other people in your life that are doing it. Like you have to be motivated to do that. But on the other side, is it not equally important to recognize your, you know, your successes and to stop for a second and be like, yeah, I just did that. And I, and I look fucking good doing it too. And you had a great first performance. Is that come naturally to you or are you more critical? Um, I used to be more critical, but like over the years, I've been learning to just appreciate the small things in life as well. Cause it's what makes you appreciate the big things as well. Right. That's so, a pretty big lesson. How old are you? I'm 27. I just turned 27 in November. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you've had a lot of, so just little things you said throughout this, you know, talking to you so far, you've had a lot of really powerful sort of insights and things that you've learned. And, and obviously, I mean, you made a pro debut at 27. You've worked through some anger stuff. You've channeled it. You've disciplined. You've worked your ass off. You're balancing an eight to four. You're doing a lot of stuff for a young guy. Um, and you're still managing to be in a, a marriage. So were there significant events in your life that sort of like set you on different paths to sort of continue to fine tune yourself as a person? Um, yeah, definitely leaving my old gym was a big start. Had some personal problems there. Just don't want to dive into that too much. But Respect. Af- after leaving that gym, just things got better. Obviously, COVID hit, so mm-hmm. everything died down. So I, just, I was just training by myself. Mm-hmm. But 
then as soon as it started picking up again, I actually went to Rain City a few times, sparred Ari, got my ass kicked, but I was out of shape too. No, uh, no excuses. I got my ass kicked for sure. But moving forward, I, got, I ended up uh, talking to Michael from Mendoza and then mm-hmm. they just took me in and it was from there. Here I am. Nice. Excellent. So do you, do you think that gym and those people have been very pivotal for you and kind of setting your path? And making you feel supported. Definitely. Rain City helped as well. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, Quinnett. Also, I also trained mm. with Quinnett a few times as well. He was just busy with his guys. He has a lot of guys. So like, yeah, I just he's a busy man. Yeah. I wanted to go pro too, but I know he has a lot of fighters and I just didn't want to give him an extra load. For sure. So now did you, did, did you want to go pro before COVID? Yes, actually I had a chance to go to with my previous gym, but things went down. So it never ended up not happening. They actually offered me to fight Lev at first. I was going to take it, but it just didn't happen. Just right. Not happen. And how difficult was that sort of COVID lull for you? It wasn't so difficult, but it just felt very like stagnant. Yeah. So like, it was more like, I still want to box, but like, man, at this rate, will I get somewhere? But like. Right. But, and were there moments where you like kind of lost focus and lost heart? Yeah, a little bit. Some moments of doubt. You know, like, can I do this? Will I still be able to do this? But like, think about it now. It's like, that's stupid. Of course you can. Age <laughs> is just a number. Yeah, exactly. Well, and what do you lean on in those moments of doubt? Do I lean on? What do you mean by that? Yeah, like, do you have tools that you sort of recruit to help put your mind right back on track? Oh, I just stick to, just just go back to boxing. Like, just what show I, up and yeah. start moving. Or even if I can't go to the gym, I just do what I know. Just train by myself. Stick to the basics. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, right? Like, you know, sometimes sometimes people need massive kind of like self-motivation things to even get them to start the initiation of moving or to get in their car and head to the gym. And it seems like, you know, at the end of the day, you know what you want and you're focused on it enough that it's just a quick reminder of like, this is what I'm here to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw my boots on regardless of how I feel. And that seems like it sort of got you through that time because that was a difficult time for boxing. Yeah. Us too. Like, you know, and it was interesting because when we first started the podcast, that was sort of the the topic we talked about a lot was because everyone was, are you training? How did you train? What was that for you? How much of a, like a bummer was that? You know, where, where did it? put you off your career in certain ways? Like, how did you get sparring? Like there were so many elements of that, that just really shut down boxing and what that does for people who, who really love something. I think also, especially I, I'm, I'm obviously a, a combat sports person. So, you know, I think especially combat sports, you fall in love with it in a different way. It's just like part, like you're addicted, like I'm in. Yeah. So to be told no, on something that's not just for your physical body, but also for your, you know, your mental state, your emotional state, your community and not having access to that yeah, and being afraid to have access to that. Like who, you know, who can I tell that I, you know, boxed it with somebody or yeah. whatever. Right. It was really, really challenging for a lot of people. Yeah. And I know it rocked, it rocked some people's focus quite a bit. Yeah. And so I'm always curious to hear, you know, how athletes manage personal stresses and doubts like that. Well, for me, how I manage, well, first, like, boxing is like a lifestyle, so when you take that away, like, screws everything up, but since it's like a way of life, just, you have to think about it, how you, how you just live on a daily basis, like, mm-hmm. if you live with focus, like, towards your sport, too, even if you're not able to, like, uh, fight right away, not to train at your gym right away, what are you doing, like, what small things are you doing to add up? towards uh, the end goal, you know, until yeah. you can get back into the gym. 
Yeah. Just keeping yourself focused, keeping yourself busy. Yeah. Yeah. Even like going for a run here and there. That's a good way of putting it. It's like a series of little decisions, even if that's a reframing of a thought, you know, the action to grab your rope. Even if you're doubting yourself too, it's like, oh, I have to do this again. I'd rather go to the gym, but I can't. Oh, might as well just do it. Yeah. It's all I got right now. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and I I love that because I think it's, again, you know, martial arts and, and combat sports being such a parallel to life is... Life really is a series of little decisions that either take you closer to where you want to be or farther away from it, right? So choosing to get up and grab your rope and go in the garage is a small decision that impacts you towards the path that you ultimately want to be on. Not deciding to not do that is going to take you farther away from that goal. So when you look at it like that, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's an equation, isn't it? You know, those constant like building blocks of little decisions that point you in that direction. And that all pointed to where we are today. Yes, exactly. Now, um, we're going we're gonna to let you get on with your evening, but I wanted to say that uh, it was an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Likewise. And Thank you, Jenna. Yeah, of course. And you're lovely. Like, you're a lovely person. And then you're also this fierce warrior. And I, I just love the combination of that in, in you. And I think that that is going to take you into place that you never imagined you're going to be in professional boxing. So whatever you have within you, that switch... Uh, keep that switch ignited because that plus the discipline and the, and the humility that you have makes you very unique. And I think that you're going to have an incredible career. Thank you very much. Win or lose, I'm always going to give it my all. Yeah. That's who I am. Again, right? And then beautiful, just beautiful parallel to life. Like, that, you know, you got to live that way. And it seems like you've adopted that just as like a personal code. And I, and I love that about you. Um, now, any closing remarks, if you were to chat with a young boxer today, a guy, 19 years old, just walked into a boxing gym, thinks he likes it. What would you say to that? I'd say boxing is not a game. So if you really want to get into it, go amateurs first. And even then you're still going to get hurt. So get as much uh, experience as you can before going pro. Yeah. That's all I can say. Beautiful. Take your training seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, I think it's important for people to define like why they're there. You know, are you there for fun? Cool. Yeah. There's There's a whole world available for you in boxing that's for fun and then if you want to be serious about the fight game yeah it's, it's sometimes not very level. fun <laughs> yeah it's a different world yeah yeah it's like falling in love with the violent aspects of it that sometimes you know and that's why a lot of people don't do what you do you know that's why a lot of people don't do it. they don't have like an, and that's fine you know i think that that's what makes boxers and fighters and martial artists unique is not not every person ha- is equipped to do that and nor should they be mm-hmm. you know everyone has different things that they partake in in their life that makes them unique Right. And, and for fighters, it's, it's a very special sort of, you fall in love with the process of, of, of violence and, and humility and sportsmanship and, you know, commitment to pain almost yeah. really. And that's, um, that's unique. That's a unique thing to be able to, to do. So anyways, all right. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you and I'm glad you brought Angelica with you. That was very sweet. I love, I love a good boxing romance story. Very Rocky, very Rocky Boboa. uh, rapid fire. If you had to choose two movies, Rocky or Creed? Rocky. Okay. And if you had to choose a fighter or a Southpaw? Fighter or? Southpaw. What do you mean by that? Thank Sorry. God. He doesn't know what Southpaw is. I'll take that oh, as you the mean, fighter Oh, movie. you mean? Oh, I do know. Damn I, it. Um, fighter or Southpaw? Is Fighter the one with uh, Tom Hardy? Christian Bale and... Oh, sorry, that What's one. What's this in my face? You're talking Warrior, which yeah. is a fantastic movie. I, I, that was awesome. And I have many opinions on that. I but. choose the one with Christian Bale. I know the one with Jake Gyllenhaal. It's just 
my man. Was, good choices. Good yeah. choices. We like to roast Southpaw on this podcast as well. I can't wait till I can't wait till they slide in my DMs as well. Creed, I'm like, whatever. Creed's fine. Creed's fine, but like Creed or Rocky? Rocky. Rocky all the way. Creed's its own thing. I, I think it's cool. It's a modern twist to it, but Rocky is what mot- motivates me if I'm feeling down. It's like, oh, dang. Right. Oh, I need to punch like a bag of meat somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I need to throw on my gray sweatsuit and find a meat hanger and punch a pork hawk. Yeah. Absolutely. Break its ribs, you know? Yeah. Like Apollo Creed's coach in that movie. I was like, oh man, he's training. He's cracking those ribs. I love that scene so much. Honestly. And then Apollo's just busy like doing business stuff. I'm like. It's so good. I wish I could take like, like, like 30 to 40 like boxers kind of at you know a similar level at like dudes obviously because this is a very dude thing not to you know put out the girls but <laughs> it's like and then ask them how many of them had rocky inspire them to box and i bet it would it would be staggering it would yeah. be like 80 percent. i'm saying at north least, of north yeah. of 80 percent of of young men were like damn that's what that's what a hero looks like that's what a champion looks like yeah uh and then translate that to and now this is what a champion looks like and all the boxers we get on our podcast so uh thank you for tuning into another episode of the empire boxing podcast this was elroy what a fantastic guest and we'll see you next time between the ropes yes you will take care thank you make sure to listen follow and subscribe to empire boxing on apple spotify and youtube